Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. Again, it's not protecting the existence of a bowl. It's protecting how much money certain bowls make. Pete Thamel. Like, that's just going to be a bad day for everybody. And that's what these guys are setting themselves up for. With SI's Pat Forty. He said, what are you buying me for Christmas? I said, well, I guess nothing in garnet and gold. uh, Because (laughs) he had just basically pulled out of the Florida State Athletic Director search. Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. All right, welcome to the pod. They had one of those uh, meetings or something. I don't know, whatever. Some some highly sponsored uh, gathering of uh, college football leaders, all the conference commissioners, various uh, supposedly important people. I think it was in Vegas this time. Is that right? It was. Yeah, they relocated from New York to Vegas. And it's the, sa- the same schmall or schmooze, except... With- the coaching carousel no longer revolves around this event. You know, it used to when it was this National Football Foundation thing in New York. But now the coaching carousel moves much faster, and so all this stuff is done, or a lot of it's done by the time you get to this. So different, same event, different vibe, different venue. All right. Glad they went to Vegas. New York was a little too, that's too much business. Too cold. Yeah. Got to, you know, get, get to Vegas. Get yourself on a lazy river down by the pool or something. <laughs> They've given up on the, remember when like Vegas, you said the word Vegas and they'd all have a conniption like gambling. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's amazing how Vegas has become the thing. The Pac-12 is practically ready to move there. Right at the start of my career, they, there was a controversy and Pat, you probably remember this. They wouldn't give final four credentials to newspapers that printed betting lines of college games. Yeah. Does that ring a bell, Pat? I remember they at least tried that. I don't know whether they tried it. Could, yeah. Yeah. Again, yeah. Again, it's it. But this was like if you took mid, mid, gambling mid ads, that was what it was. I don't okay. know. I think they considered right. the gambling line, but they I definitely was like, if you took one of those, you know, call one nine hundred this for you pay it two bucks a minute. The guy will give you his winner of the day, which never made any sense at all. <laughs> anything like that now it's just yeah yeah that is funny i mean oh the, the the amount of angst that gambling used to cause uh for the ncaa and for everyone tangentially related to it yeah and again like even when i was when i was at espn 15 years ago i could not put the lines in my stories they edited them out like we've come a long way come a long way and it's not just the ncaa it's the nfl is everybody else now it's yeah. just like 
I don't know, somebody sponsoring every everything. But anyway, they had all the guys there. So we got some interesting quotes. I guess they, they bring them up on stage and ask them questions. And it's always some 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 doozies. The playoff expansion. Uh, we seem to be still at this impasse. ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips seems to prefer eight. The SEC says it's four or 12. Uh, the Big Ten and the Big 12 want or the Big Ten wants five, wants twelve, but five automatic bids plus one. Although they he they also uh, Kevin Warren also gave the dreaded "we must protect the bowls." That's always a <laughs> that's always a nightmare. Uh, I'm a hundred percent for expansion. What's the right number? We've bantered about eight. Now maybe he's going eight. Want to make sure it grows slowly. Also, twelve is attractive. Three things for me. Number one, we must protect the bowls. Uh, big believer in auto bids. And open it up to multiple media partners. Bowl games exist on welfare. Bowl games cannot go out of business unless the conferences say they're going out of business. Because what a conference does, like the Big Ten, I'm just going to explain it to to the Big Ten, how the Big Ten does things. They pool their postseason money, and then they distribute that money out. It doesn't matter whether you win the national championship playing two playoff games that make enormous amounts of money or you're in the worst bowl game, you get the same amount of money. They'll cover your cost. Hence, bowl games where teams lose money, which is most of them, because of ridiculous ticket guarantees and all of that, but that's how the bowl stays afloat. You lose money going to the bowl game, but you will make it back because of the other games. So a bowl game is protected by you. There's just, they act like this, is a, like this is just a market force. I, I don't. Uh, how, what do you mean protect the bowls? The day your your ADs are actually losing money sending their team to a bowl and they stop getting a bowl bonus, then maybe a bowl game might go out of business because a bunch of teams would say, no, no, we don't want to go to the bowl. But until that happens, and considering they need to add a bowl this year because enough teams made it to six and six, they had to put a six and seven Hawaii team in, right? The bowls are going out of business. Why is this hard for people to understand? <laughs> No, I mean, it's, it's hard for people to understand because they've been fed this line for how long now by people? I get know? the fans because they're getting live. But how is the conference commissioner not understand? It's like me saying, you, if, if, if I don't give my kid an allowance, they're going to get evicted. <laughs> it's like, no, the only person that can evict it is me. <laughs> and I would then get arrested for throwing my child out in the street. So the, the, the I, I mean, I don't even understand this. <laughs> How does this work still? <laughs> I love it. Dan, you tried it hard as hell to kill the bowl system. You did a great job helping us get to a playoff and away from a BCS, but you can't kill the whole bowl structure. I explained the bowl system. Yeah. I had a conference commissioner, okay, a very, very smart conference commissioner, as I was going through this with them, because we were trying to make sure, like, this is so nuts. The system is so ridiculous. That it, it, you're like, this can't be real, right? Like, we can't, this can't, this is, you guys talk about how the bowls are going to go under, but I, as I see it, you're paying the bowl to exist so that your AD gets a bonus, your coach gets a bonus, then the kids get to go to a bowl game, whatever, whatever, it's your money. So I took all the stuff and I'm sitting there and I'm like, I, I don't get it. What am I missing? And it's, it's wait, how much money? Are we, what, what's going on with this? What's this line on this contract? How's it? Because I got all the doc- No one ever looks. Kevin Warren. I don't know. The bowls can't go out of business, and they're almost all owned by ESPN, just a little fledgling outfit. (laughs) 
unless you say we're not going to the bowl. So as long as you don't say it, the bowls are protected. Unless there's something else there. I again, I don't I don't know how someone can say this, but they keep saying it. Pete, do you have any idea? Can you help me? <laughs> I I can't help you. I can't help you. And Ohio State finished sixth in these rankings. Is that right? Notre Dame five, Ohio yes. State six. Let's just say these final rankings came down in 2026, the first year of the next iteration, whatever that may be. And let's just say we were still a smaller playoff. Let's just say the constipation that is being caused right now by the ace, by the alliance a little bit, but Kevin Warren and uh, Jim Phillips appear to be the more vocal critics of, of what they want. If you don't go to 12 and Ohio State is on the outside looking in, but should have slash would have been in, it is just going to be bonkers for whoever got in the way from those fan bases. And if they like, logic around to the fact that, wait a minute, we could have been in the playoff if it had happened, but we were, we got, we got in the way of that. Like that's just going to be a bad day for everybody. And that's what these guys are setting themselves up for. Now, look, they don't have much to negotiate to negotiate with. The ACC has that bad TV deal. They have very few cards left in their hand. They're trying to play some cards right here. Kevin Warren's trying to play the big 10 Rose bowl card. God bless them into perpetuity. They're still holding on tight, but I just feel like the other commissioners are sitting back being like, really? Those who have the most to gain are objecting the loudest. It doesn't make sense. And, and eventually, I do think that position crumbles. So, like, and, and again, if you expand the playoff, you get more money into the Big Ten. So let's take the Big Ten would have three playoff teams out of 12 this year, and they would have Ohio State hosting a game. And if they did it right, Michigan then would host the next game. So you, you would have an enormous amount of money pouring in. That extra money into your quote-unquote postseason pool, if you will, would then actually allow you far more money to prop up the lower bowls. It would assure that the bowls would continue. Now you say, wait, we're taking two teams from the Big Ten out. They're in a playoff. Fine. Then you send five and seven Indiana and five and seven Rutgers or Illinois, five and seven Illinois and five and seven Rutgers. I think they'd both like to go to a bowl. Then you send them to a bowl and cover their costs because they're going to lose like 750 grand or something at the game. It's pennies. Yeah. The way no, to you... protect the bowls is the playoff. <laughs> I, I <didn't... laughs> No, Illinois fans who haven't been anywhere in years, think you say, hey, uh, we're going to play a bowl game in Tucson. You want to go? Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, they'll whatever. Go. I mean, you could say, oh, they don't deserve it. Who deserves it at six and six? Whatever. Just, it's, it's just, it's just shuffling the money. They act like this is like if you really were running one of these bowls independently and were trying to make a dollar without without the the and you you had to pay a school enough money that it was worth their while to come and play you, you wouldn't be able to do it. It'd be out of business. So you rely on the on the lousy team to take money from the top team. Now, if the or if the Big Ten said, hey, Michigan's going to get all its money this year and everyone else is screwed then yeah, that would do it. But they don't, and they never have. Neither has the other conferences. So it doesn't. It just doesn't make any sense. I, I would feel a lot better about these guys if their reasonings were, I don't know, made any sense at all. Well, I, yeah, so I, I, I can't take their objections to this playoff with any, <laughs> with any bit of like reality when that's what they're coming up with. I, I had a talk with somebody about the bold objections this week, and it's like, well, you know, where's the ACC coming from on this? 
said, you know, is it really, you know, they, they got a lot of high powered academic institutions. Is the president's, you know, not want to play these games in December and mess with the final schedule? I, I got laughed at for suggesting that. <laughs> and we went through a couple other scenarios. Man, maybe, maybe. And then it said, throughout, it said one other possibility, spite uh, with the SEC and some being angry at Greg Sankey for blowing up things with realignment and for the ACC not getting Texas and Oklahoma, which they did try to do. So I, whether it's that simple, I don't know, but that was at least proffered as one suggestion to me. Mike, spite. Oh, don't underestimate the petty. The petty is yeah. real here. I think it's spite, but uh, again, like get over it. Every one of you would have done the same thing the SEC did. Every league would have added Oklahoma and Texas. The ACC actively tried to <laughs> add them. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Get over that. Jim Phillips, yeah, he's, he's just not committing. He's trying to uh, do this thing. Other one, he asked this. He got asked this question, so I'm not going to – I don't want to hammer these guys on all of it because it's some of it's like the context. But what about Notre Dame joining the ACC? And there was like – I saw some call. Uh, Notre Dame must – this proves Notre Dame must join the ACC. Notre Dame may join the ACC. Come on. Makes no, no. sense. But yeah. and he said Notre Dame got a chance to see what the ACC was all about last year. I'll leave it at that. I think it was mutually beneficial relationship. It wasn't COVID. Yeah. The I will say this: the only way Notre Dame joins a conference is if they no longer have access to the playoff. Like you literally set a playoff up that says you must be in a conference. Then maybe they do it. They will join a conference. But until but that day, and there is no no move on it. It would be moronic to join a conference if you're Notre Dame. Yeah. Flat yeah. out moronic. They get to play a national schedule that allows them to recruit nationally, which is imperative because they have a very shallow pool of potential recruits. They get their own TV deal. It sets them apart. Joining the Big Ten or the ACC makes them another program. It would be a terrible idea. Another one that just seems to kind of float out. Another idea that just seems to come up every once in a while. Oh, this proves it. They got to join a conference. Better join a conference. Why in the world would they do that? There's yeah, no right. Is that can anyone come up with a good reason for Notre Dame to join a conference? No, and having been up there on Monday and listened to Jack Swarbrick, they, they, there is no inclination or remains no inclination to join a conference. In it would not behoove college football to have a playoff and not include Notre Dame, which has finished in the top five three of the last four years. You think sure. the TV executives are sitting back being like, no, no, we don't want Notre Dame in there, we don't want the biggest national brand, the divisive longtime power that pulls diverse geography, a strong religious pull, and a lot of people hate them. Don't forget about that. A lot of people hate them, think Bama's going to beat them by 40. So, yeah, I don't see from the places that matter anyone saying, well, we're going to set up a playoff and we don't want Notre Dame to be part of that. That just doesn't that just doesn't make any sense because that's a huge risk. If Notre Dame is very good, like they have been in recent seasons, very good, and they're not included, ESPN and Fox want Notre Dame to be on the potential menu. And even if, you know, these deals are also wound through these BCS Bowls or New Year's Six Bowls or whatever they're called now, they want Notre Dame in those too. Notre Dame sure. Oklahoma State is going to do a big old number in that Fiesta. Like, there's, yes. no, there's no doubt about that. And so, in theory, it would probably behoove ESPN for Notre Dame to stay independent because if they went to the ACC, they'd have to blow up the ACC deal and pay them more money, which they have the steal of the century. I don't think they're particularly inclined to do. Absolutely. And ESPN already gets the Notre Dame anytime they play in an ACC stadium. 
Yeah, right. Which is usually two to three times. You know, this year they played at uh, Virginia Tech. They played at um, Virginia. And where was that Carolina game that was at home? All right. Well, next year, maybe they'll play three times. So you want. And, you know, the ACC, you go, well, this is you don't have them full time. Yeah, but they show up and they it's the biggest ticket. And it's always the highest tele- t- ticket rating, ticket price when Notre Dame comes. I mean, it just is. And it's. Yeah, and it's going to be a primetime window when Notre Dame goes and plays at an ACC team. They're putting that game where people, a lot of people are going to watch it. Yeah, but for Notre Dame's competitive interest, it makes no sense to join a conference. Right now, they play at least one game a year in California. They play them on the East Coast. They have their Shamrock Series. They can pop them around. Next year, I think they're going to, to Vegas. They can do a lot of different things. They can schedule games at the last minute with that Shamrock Series, which a lot of people will, will get to another interesting quote on that. Right. They have traditional rivals all over the place. Uh, they can play in Chicago that, you know, there was one year they played in Chicago, New York, L.A. and San Diego, like four weeks in a row. They can get to big markets they can get down to Texas, wherever they want to be. They go and they have to be. It's the only way they're good. If they are not in this, Notre Dame football will never be. If they're not independent, Notre Dame football will never even be in the in the mix again. Uh, a better quote. Let's not be all negative. Hello, let's George Klyakov. Pac-12 commissioner calls scheduling college football games 12 years in, in advance, quote unquote, insane, end quote. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. See, this is what's great when you get some fresh eyes from the outside who walk in and go, why do we do it this way? Huh? I personally Makes like to sense. know what I'm doing in 3034 <laughs> on October 9th. <laughs> San Jose State's coming in, Dan. Okay. <laughs> This is like when we, we sit there with the bowls. Remember when the bowls used to extend invitations in like October to teams? Oh, yeah. This yeah. is a thing. They used to give out a bowl because the bowl was like, this was before the, they became welfare bowls. Right. They were actual businesses. And uh, they were not for profits that they were skimming the hell out of. But they were, you know, there was, there was at least a bottom line. They weren't guaranteed to make it like they are now. Uh, and so you'd sit there and say, hey, Penn State's, Five and oh, they got a lot of fans. Let's just invite them. Yeah. And a sure. team would have to decide in the middle of October whether to take it. <laughs> and sometimes it blew up on them and sometimes it worked. And that's one of the reasons sometimes you'd have this undefeated, you know, our 11 1 team playing a seven and five team and it would, or whatever, it wasn't 12 games then, all this stuff. And you look back now and you go, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of in my life, right? <laughs> that is, right. that's what this is going to be. Yeah. Uh, he hopes Alliance members. Leaving the SEC out. SEC is going to have some interesting. If this alliance actually holds, SEC is going to struggle to schedule uh, big non-conference games. Um, I think they'll they'll be all right. The alliance can create an interconference challenge format where the dates get saved and non-conference games can get scheduled the previous January. That would make uh, a lot of sense to me. He wants to go to eight games with the and wants the Big Ten to go to eight conference games to join the ACC. That would be pretty awesome, huh? We just like had a January day where we announced the. The challenge would be we fantastic. Need, we need some off-season stuff, right? Yeah. Like the NFL does this. Sure. They stay in the news all year round. Yeah. Between the end of the playoff and the national signing day, which hopefully goes back to February, but we'll get to that, I think, here in a few minutes. But yeah, have have the Alliance scheduling announcement and set up the games. Now, the one thing, you, you know, everybody will be like, oh, yeah, Ohio State's going to play USC and Clemson's going to play at Michigan. You can't have that every year. You can't have all the best playing the other best or else it's not going to work out. You're going to have to vary it up somewhat. But hopefully you have marquee matchups 
every year. And if you can set them in January, all the better. I'm looking at uh, Ross Dellinger's story from Vegas that uh, in- encapsulates some of these quotes. And uh, Bob Bowlesby, who's kind of in that like Jim Beheim, I don't care anymore, so I'm going to say what's on my mind phase, which is a great phase, by the way. Oh, yeah. That's not criticism. <laughs> we Good plays like alike. Honest- yeah. Yes. We like honesty. You've, you've earned <laughs> the right for unfiltered thoughts. Bowlesby, who was quite frankly scorned that he was not part of the alliance, said, quote, to, uh, to Ross, Quote, I think they've got some work to do to demonstrate the alliance is a force to be reckoned with. (laughs) (laughs) Burr. (laughs) I'm not in the alliance. The alliance sucks. Quote, we've got some new guys who don't have a whole lot of sense of history. I don't begrudge them that. It's a lot to get up to speed on. (laughs) That's a very polite way to say they don't know what they're talking about. Maybe they'll learn. Oh, the petty is the petty was very real in Vegas. Uh, they doubled down on it. One could say, well, "How about being Bullsby, Right? You spend two years working on this playoff. You go through every single thing. You come up with this plan that everybody likes. All the everyone's like, "Hey, this is good." Twelve teams, six and six, six, six automatic bids. Blah blah blah. All right, everyone's loving it. Home games they even kind of break that. We we got to protect the bowls. Again, it's not protecting the existence of a bowl. It's protecting how much money certain bowls make. That's all that is. So you got all that work, and then you get raided. The guy you worked with, the SEC, raids your league. And then the other leagues who didn't put in any effort on this playoff start poo-pooing the playoff. I'd be kind of chapped at those guys, too. It's like <laughs> I was the one I just sit next to Craig, Craig Sankey the whole time while he was plotting to steal my team. <laughs> Right. Seems like there's a lot of little chippiness. Always some good chippiness. All right. Little side story. Uh, so this poor guy, uh, Tracy Davidson, he is a he is a uh, he owns three restaurants in Tulsa and he got linked up once with uh, uh, Oklahoma with Lincoln Riley and uh, catered. Uh, well, at some point he had uh, won a um, he's won some barbecue events. Right. One time he uh, got to cook, cook for the team. And Lincoln Riley basically said uh, he made these tomahawk steaks, smoked them on his smoker. And uh, he said, man, this is awesome. He says, if this was uh, if, if we gave these to recruits, we'd sign all the recruits. So a friendship broke out and um, he started anytime Lincoln Riley would have uh, like recruiting events at his house or anything or any big event. Uh, this guy would come and, and smoke up some some tomahawk steaks, which I mean, just sound delicious. I'm really talking about this story just for the food. Just to get excited about this. <laughs> the, the, the expense of cooking up tomahawk steaks for an entire football team or, you know, not, for like a recruiting class. Yeah, not cheap. So not he small. had three smokers going and and eventually hauling them back and forth to Tol- from Tulsa to Riley's house is a pain in the neck. So he just left them. He left like two of them at Lincoln Riley's house in the backyard. <laughs> well, thought that was good. But then all of a sudden... Lincoln Riley bails for California. And this poor guy doesn't know who to call. No one's returning <laughs> his call. Did the smokers go with Lincoln? That's we, the that, was, that was the question. Was the link, wh- who, took the, who took the smokers? Where's my smokers? <laughs> right. This guy's like every other Sooner fan. He's a little chapped at Lincoln. So this becomes a thing in Oklahoma. Hashtag Smokergate. <laughs> can, we get, can we get his smokers back? He's calling the realtor. He's trying, he doesn't know who the heck to find. <laughs> It's calling assistance, but some of them are actually working for USC. You know, that's been a big thing. 
So um, finally, he gets a hold of the realtor. This is a big thing. There's a big, a lot of big to do in Oklahoma about this. Everyone, you know, guy deserves a smoker back. Yeah. And uh, he wasn't allowed to come to the house. They had to like put the someone else had to work as an intermediary. It's this big long controversy, but he did get his meat smokers back from Lincoln Riley. So let it be known, Lincoln Riley took all their recruits, but he did leave <laughs> the smokers. Took the recruits, took half the staff, left the smokers. All right. It's like, what is it? The, the Godfather line. Leave the gun, take the cannolis. That was yeah. it. Yeah. So I don't know if Brent Venables is going to hire this guy. Like, bring him in. Lincoln was recruiting well, and maybe it was the Tomahawk maybe it stakes. Was. It wasn't just the offense or something. It's the probably Pfizer. the Heisman Trophy winners. I would think it was the Heisman Trophy winners. <laughs> the you you may, not, may not have won the Heisman without the stake. You never Listen, know. You got to see this story. They got pictures of these stakes. <laughs> Baker Mayfield would have been nothing without the Tomahawk stake. Kyler Murray, nothing. Kyler Murray would have gone off and played baseball if it weren't for the stake. So reminds of the 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 infamous snow cone machine at between the the Memphis and Kentucky snow cone machine debate. Oh yeah, that right. was good. Yes, <laughs> that was good. I think yeah. we've discussed it before, but when when John Calipari left Memphis, this is this is the story. He had a snow cone machine that they used to, he had bought the snow cone machine and used it during the like youth basketball summer camps at Memphis. And the kids would buy snow cones, right? You can make a pretty good profit on snow cone. Little ice, little whatever. And uh, but then he went to Kentucky, but he forgot to pack. You know, they all leave so quick. So he left behind the snow cone machine and he started calling Memphis saying, Josh Pastner took over. I want my snow cone machines back. <laughs> Well, the funny thing there, too, is there, there was folklore, which Josh Pastner has neither confirmed nor denied, that Cal took a lot of stuff with him from Memphis, like gear, uh, you know, sneakers, whatever. Like, I don't know why he wanted all the Memphis gear when he's leaving, but supposedly he, he left with a lot of stuff. So I believe they organized a drop off of the snow cone machine is the way it was told to me. <laughs> Who owns the snow cone machine? Who owns these smokers? <laughs> if you leave a smoker like, at a guy's house, I mean, yeah, it doesn't mean he owns it. He's yeah, owning it. Possession is like, what is it like? Nine tenths of the law. I'm glad Lincoln the did the right thing. Smoker's got to be expensive. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, what is Lincoln's not going to know how to smoke it either? You need the guy. I mean, otherwise, is right. Lincoln mm. like famously bad on the grill? Like he he does like grill shots on Twitter, and they're like notoriously terrible. Yeah, I mean, man said I can't defend the brisket anymore. Yeah, that's, that's the famous line. Oh, that's yeah, right. That yeah, was, he overdid yes. the brisket, right? Yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, uh, yeah. No, I'm you sure need the tilapia guy. will be great out in LA or uh, <laughs> grilled uh, asparagus. Yeah, there you go. Yes, yeah. it's just going to get on the acai bowl chain, train. All right, so we're going to do our big bowl preview next week. Part one, we'll go through every bowl game, break it down, all the stuff. But we did want to talk about our few favorites we got coming up. Uh, I think stand out, obviously not the playoff games or, or uh, Rose Bowl looks pretty interesting. Ohio State, Utah, uh, but a couple of the, the early ones to get you excited. Um, let's start with the uh, Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl. <laughs> Tropical Smoothie Cafe getting involved, huh? Take yeah. that smoothie king. Smoothie battles coming. I want UTSC and San Diego State. That's even a good game. A lot of letters. A lot of letters. Can't tell you can't spell UTSA versus San Diego State 
without all the letters. Uh, that <laughs> yeah. is a very good game, though. So the Frisco is not San Francisco. It's the Frisco, Texas. Right. You like tropical smoothie or or uh, smoothie king? That's the is question. Is smoothie king involved in any bowls? I know. I don't think they are. So now we got to yeah, swing so our they, alliance. Yeah, I they've heard, been they've been knocked out. I heard Bad Boar Mowers is out too. I'm just disappointed in that. That that hurts you. That's a whole ball game too between Florida and UCF. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. Is that that one? Okay. Yes. Here it is. Yeah. Union yeah. Home Mortgage. Yeah, that's boring. Gasparilla Bowl. That see, we don't like. It does. Union Home Mortgage Tax Act. I mean, come on. We need we need the bad boy mowers back. No one wants to think guaranteed about rate. It's a lot of yeah. like like if you were an accountant, these bulls would be your uh, <laughs> your 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 mo. Um, landing tree bowl, lending tree. Yeah, yeah, they were yeah. appealing yeah. to Whatever people. Who are... Gallery furniture, right? Like that's yeah. that's a bowl name. You know? Mattress Mac, baby. Bad boy yeah. mower. At least you like they get the mowers. They're cool. There's things to look yeah. at. Like, I don't care about my union home mortgage. Gasparilla bowl. UCF versus Florida, though. I mean, there's some good oh. spite there. How, how there's oh, some pressure sure. on Gus Gus Bus to win that, right? Definitely. Yes, because you finally get your shot at them. And you should you should be better than than they are. And that's that's this is a good year for Florida to take that game because they if they tank it and lose they can just say ah oh, look it's part of this terrible year trust me we'll be better next year we ain't got a coach yeah all that yeah right Florida's lost eight recruits in the last week I don't know whether that's a good. good thing or a bad thing well yeah they had a starting a receiver go in the portal on uh, Thursday as well Jacob Copeland good player got a little work got a little work there for Billy Napier. They may flip a uh, a nice safety though that Notre Dame had, so you know they'll get some new guys too. What is the PUBG mobile or mobile game? We'll we'll we'll, we'll do that test. Can you name the sponsor next week? Okay, all, all right. right. So all right. let's not kill next week's gig. Okay, sorry, sorry. The AutoZone Liberty Bowl, Texas Tech versus Mississippi State. I believe does, does Coach Leach still have uh, lawsuits pending against Texas Tech. <laughs> yeah, it, it, instead of a California closet sponsoring it, it should be sponsored by Lubbock Closets because that would be uh, that 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 game will dig up all the old Mike Leach, Craig James, who's disappeared off the face of the earth, by the way. Um, yeah, storage no shed, used. right? Storage shed. You did a story trying to find Craig James, didn't you, Pete? I did. He became a pastor in uh, in the Dallas area, and he's like pretty much just pretty much gone. I. I think our younger listeners, both of them, would probably <laughs> have a hard time grasping how big Craig James was. Like he was bigger than Kirk Herbstreet at a time with no social media, at a time with no internet, basically like college football was a, you know, 15 Saturday a year thing. And he was the face of the sport. Um, and he, you know, he was his own big rollicking brand. He had a broadcaster school at one point. And uh, worked for Yahoo Sports player. too. He was a he had a column on Yahoo Sports back in the day. Oh wow, wow. Well, I mean, the three of us have all had that at one point too. So that, that's not exactly <laughs> some grand accomplishment. <laughs> but yeah, no, that was uh, it was it was interesting. But that sort of debacle with Leach and his son, and then the shadow campaign to undercut Leach, cut him, and then he was still a viable broadcaster, and he ran for uh, ran for Senate, I believe. And was think of the rightest politician, you know, and he was right of them. That got him uh, that got him tossed off the air for some extremist stuff. And pretty wild. 
pretty wild yeah, career it, move. He really yes. was huge. He was he was bigger than Herb Street at the time. Plus, I mean, legendary player. Yeah. He still refuses to admit he got money from SMU. <laughs> I was like, well, you're the only one who didn't. Right. Yeah, well, we, we don't even need him to admit it evermore because everybody else has admitted it. <laughs> and the NCAA found it. You know, I mean, it's, it's like, like, just go with it at this point. Exactly. Um, yeah, he was a very difficult guy to work alongside. I remember that. Uh, yes, he was a yes. challenge for everybody at our company. So, challenge well, I hope he's doing well. Everybody at every company, I think. Yeah. Hope he's doing well. We got the Cheese It Bowl, uh, Clemson versus Iowa State. Kind of the mm-hmm. uh, top five <laughs> preseason. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You could have gotten some decent. You could, if I'd said, "Hey, uh, semifinal Iowa State Clemson," back in like August, but yeah, okay, yeah. But more likely than the Cheez It Bowl in August. Uh, yeah. Everybody likes a bowl of Cheez Its. More notable than anything, uh, it is the uh, unveiling of the Cheez It Bowl has a mascot, a mascot named Prince Chedward. <laughs> <laughs> Why did they name it Chedward? Am I missing something on that? Like Prince Edward, Prince Chedward. Oh, Ed- Prince Edward. Is he the most famous prince right now? I don't know, but or you got to run. You got to. You got to bring some, you know, cheese play in there. So cheddar, ched, you know. <laughs> Prince Chedward has a, uh, so he's, let him take a look. First off, it's, he's made of cheese, apparently. Imagine has, that. Uh, he has a big, like one of those British coats. He's got, <laughs> looks like, like almost a turnover chain that says cheese it bowl. <laughs> well, and he has a staff. And the staff at the top, and you know, like you, if you have a staff, you need like kind of a yeah something, something thing at the end, an ornament at the top. Yeah, yeah. it's it's like a it's like an eight sided star where uh, two pieces of like cheddar cheese, like one and then turn. <laughs> those are cheez its. Oh, those are the cheez its. Okay, okay. <laughs> is that what a cheez it? That's not what a cheez it looks like. Is it? All right, two cheez its on it. Okay. Prince well, Chedward. So, I mean, I, you're we trying have to too protect hard. the bulls. We have to protect <laughs> the bulls, people. So that we can have Prince Chedward, yes. the uh, They're trying too hard when they already got the talking wheel of cheese. It's the perfect mascot, you know, on all the commercials. I, I like the talking wheel of cheese. Now, you're going to get rid of him and have Prince Chedward? Okay. Clemson was involved in uh, the game between West Virginia where West Virginia took back like a punt or something and trucked Obi, the orange mascot. So I'm going to wonder oh. if Clemson ends up. Was that the 70 in. to 7 game? Yeah. Uh, it was 70 a, to 35 or something, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, it was yeah. a really high scoring game. So Yeah, that was, yes, that was when Dabo was first on the scene and they were gently nudged giving up 70 in that bowl game. And I, I, that was another reason why I thought Dabo would never make it as a coach. I was, again, Wrong. Did they get Kevin Steele fired? Is that right, Pat? Yes. Yes. Watch out, Chadward. They're coming. The Tigers. They'll, they'll try. Probably you. the best thing that ever happened to Clemson because it got them Brent Venables. And that's when, and then yep. things started to turn. Chad Morris came. Chad Morris went and got sophomore quarterback Deshaun Watson out of, uh, out of uh, the greater Atlanta area who Georgia did, hadn't offered yet because they didn't want to irk like the top junior quarterback who ended up becoming a punter. <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny how dynasties are built. A lot of it's <laughs> all because Obi got run over by West Virginia. <laughs> there, there we go. go. <laughs> there we go. So one thing about uh, Brett Venables going to Oklahoma is obviously a big deal for Oklahoma. They've got their they've got their guy. What's it do to Clemson though? And I, look, 
you know, William Christopher Sweeney is in charge. He's the head coach. Generally, don't overdo a, 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 co- a coordinator. They had a number of defensive players are already decommitting. You got to replace that. Uh, you're still the chance that uh, Tony Elliott, the offensive coordinator, could go to Virginia or he could stay. Clemson's in a little, you know, I don't want to overblow it, but one bad season. But um, how how big is losing him to Clemson, Pete? I think it's pretty important. Like we just kind of tracked. He was really the one of the key fundamental building blocks to getting them going. And uh, their recruiting class is a little bit in flux right now. Uh, as of Thursday, they, they had a couple defensive decommits and they're they're down a few guys. They're likely to promote internally uh, on the defensive side. They have a uh, they have a QC here. They're going to move up to be a, a co DC. And if Tony Elliott leaves, which is never a guarantee with Tony Elliott, as we've learned from the uh, the, the great Charlottesville vigil of Thursday, um, the the plan would be to move Brandon Streeter over from quarterback coach to uh, offensive coordinator at Clemson. So this is a big double down Dabo on himself. Dabo got good when they went to the outside and brought in big name power coordinators to 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 anchor the X's and O's. And this is an internal set of beliefs where you could they they're going to say, okay, we, what we've built is good enough, and what we've recruited is good enough. We're going to carry on in our own way. Now, look, that's not uncommon. Stanford's done it. This is the Patriot way in a lot of ways. Like this is the model coaches would prefer. You don't want it to be. Coach X's offense and Coach X leaves, you want to be the Clemson offense. So it allows for continuity. Continuity is like the great strategic advantage in college football right now because the whole thing is just like utter chaos every day, right? Everything in the portal, coaches leaving, everything. So if you have continuity, seemingly that's some type of an advantage. And with Brent Venables and Tony Elliott there for darn near a decade, that was an unbelievable strategic advantage for Dabo Sweeney, just in terms of you knew what you had. You knew what you were doing. Venables, quite frankly, had that uh, fairly elaborate sign borrowing operation, which was not illegal, but certainly. Did you say gathered- sign borrowing? Borrowing. Yeah, they borrowing. Oh, come they on. It's stealing. You can call it stealing. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> I was just. I was just being sarcastic. I obviously, <laughs> obviously know, know the drill in the score. It, it wasn't like Spygate with the Patriots is my point, where like they were illicitly videotaping or anything like that. It's you're signaling. People are trying to figure out the signals, and they had a pretty elaborate uh, operation to do it. So that was always, when you talk to people who played Clemson, that was always a, a, a huge advantage. And Pat's written about that. I've written about that in the past. So it's all going to be a little bit different. And, you, you know, I think Dabo's excited to, 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 to move up and reward those who've stayed around and stayed loyal. And he's created this great culture where guys want to stay. And quite frankly, they've compensated the heck out of these guys, right? I mean, Venables is making two and a half million bucks. That reset the coordinator. He reset the coordinator market a few times with him. So it'll be really interesting um, to see what they do and how they move forward considering they're, 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 making, they're, they're coming off a year where things were a little wobbly and they're doubling down on themselves. Now, with this limited class the, and, quite frankly, some subpar play at certain positions, especially the offensive line, how aggressive they really get in the portal and try to use the portal, which they've sort of shunned. And Dabo has been just – Dabo's anti-change in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? Dabo's spent some time yelling at the clouds some. In, in, and look – He's done well with no change, so I can see why he wouldn't want any. And it, they're at an interesting inflection point where change is coming, and how are they going to evolve and adapt is going to determine the next iteration of Clemson. 
Yeah, that they've been the most continuity solid staff, I think, in the whole sport, really. You know, over the during most of Dabo's tenure, you know, promoting within, certainly on offense, they did that with, you know, Chad Morris is out. Okay, well, Jeff Scott, we got you and Tony Elliott, then Jeff Scott leaves. Well, we still have Tony Elliott, and now Tony Elliott may leave. Well, we still got Brandon Streeter. Defensively, it always was like it was Venable's show. And so do you have the replacement there? Do you have the gravitas on the staff to be able to do it the way Venables did uh, from the sign borrowing to everything else, you know, game planning and and deciding when to blitz and not blitz? You know, he dialed up some really good stuff in games. You'd watch him at key points, make great calls. Uh, so can they replace that? On top of that, Dan Radakovich, the AD, is leaving. Now they're going to promote from within there, too, almost certainly with, uh, with Graham Neff. So... They are basically saying our infrastructure is good enough to keep us going. As long as we got Dabo, we got the guys around Dabo just to keep rolling that way. Uh, and we'll see if that if it turns out to be the case. But this is a definite transition point for sure for Clemson. It, it, definitely an interesting year. 12 recruits they currently have committed. That's it. They're, again, they're losing some on defense. Uh I'm sure they will be fine. They have number one quarterback in the country coming in, uh, Cade Klubnik from uh, from Austin Westlake. Although I guess it depends where you want to put Quinn Ewers. Is he last year? Is he this year? But uh, don't cry too much for Clemson. But definitely a little bit of a transition. We'll see what they uh, what they decide to do. All right, a little breaking news here on Thursday uh, afternoon as we tape this. Friend John Canzano, who is uh, king of all Portland media a columnist for the Oregonians, got a radio show up there, very connected, has reported that the University of Oregon has requested permission to speak to UCLA coach Chip Kelly. How about that? Former Oregon coach. Now, we don't know where this leads. Presumably, they would not request permission unless you knew. Kind of like, you know, calling up, like, what's that old thing where you call the dad to ask permission to Ask his daughter to marry you. You better know the answer before. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, exactly. But I don't know. Thoughts on this? Fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Would Chip Kelly go back and try to recreate the magic he had there? Uh, he was very slow getting traction at UCLA. Did finally break through this year. Went eight and four. You know, still did not win the Pac-12 South. Didn't necessarily come that close to winning the Pac-12 South. And Lincoln Riley's coming in and mowing down people already in recruiting as far as grabbing people that he already had uh, committed from the L.A. area at Oklahoma. So if you're Chip, you may be looking and saying, well, might be about that time. And I, the way these things tend to go, you know, the boosters have all the warm and fuzzy memories of the last time we were great. And that was when Chip Kelly was there. Uh, if they feel like he could reconjure that in an era where hurry up, no huddle tempo by itself doesn't win big anymore. You have to have more going for yourself than that because everybody does it. And so everybody knows how to defend it. And that was Chip's one of Chip's big strengths was just being faster than everyone before everyone was ready for that. You know, does Phil Knight probably have a little interest in this? He certainly does. Would he be excited to have Chip Kelly in the mix? Maybe so. We'll see where it goes. But that's a very interesting uh, development on the Pac-12. Yeah, we were just talking about the underwhelming pools for coaching candidates. And quite frankly, to me, it makes all the sense in the world that Oregon's going after Chip Kelly. Because the other alternatives aren't in the same universe of Chip in terms of 
experience, success, relevance. Now, there's very good coaches and there's good coaches that have been discussed. But if you're Oregon, which has lived on Flash and Neon and Heisman billboards in Times Square and all the, you know, all the fluorescent trappings that that program has been enabled to uh, to develop because of Nike and, quite frankly, a lot of winning. Chip is clearly the sexiest guy in that uh, in that realm. And the, the dynamic here that's fascinating, I've never seen a dynamic like this, quite like this in a coaching search. There's always buyouts. There's always financial things. Chip's buyout is $9 million on January 15th and then zero on January 16th. Whoa. Usually it's like, okay, it's guaranteed this percent through year one and this percent year two, and it's a sliding scale, and it kind of makes sense. And this was done, I think, because UCLA was so giddy to get him from Florida and then didn't want him to leave. So they just said, okay, if he's going to go, and UCLA, quite frankly, has been paying buyouts out the ears for years. I mean, Jim Mora's buyout, I still think they're paying Jim Mora right now. <laughs> I don't know how the UConn you know, stuff was, but that's kind of amazing because – Quite frankly, but our listeners probably forgot Jim Mora was the UCLA coach. And um, they're paying him, I think, till January of this year, unless the uh, good state of Connecticut, unless our friends from New England United have uh, alleviated them from that or some of that obligation. Steve Alford, they owed a boatload of money to, if you remember. And they would have hired Jamie Dixon over Mick Cronin, but they didn't want to pay his buyout. The taxes got in the way of it. So that worked um, out. Th- so it's, it's a place that was scorned a little bit by these buyouts. And because of that, here they are sitting there, you know, wanting to protect this asset. But at the same time, you know, Chip Kelly hasn't got an extension yet either. So I think he has only one year left on his deal, which is anomalous in a, in a lot of ways that he'd be going into uh, going into the season like this. So it's a really interesting stare down right now. Does Chip want to go back to uh, Eugene where he was? I believe he was 46 and seven while he was there. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a wild. It's like 86 percent of your games. I mean, that's just he was wildly successful. I. I almost don't feel, I feel like that era went by so fast. We don't appreciate how many times he scored like 60 points in the first half. I mean, it was just preposterous. Remember they go now, for two every time. Like it'd be eight zero right yeah. off the bat, you know, like yeah. demoralizing. Yes. Yes. And, uh, you know, Ch- Chip's joke now is, uh, that he uses all the time is we went fast and had shiny helmets. Now everybody goes fast and has shiny helmets. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and so, He'd be going back to Oregon without the very distinct strategic advantage that he helped create. I mean, that was his, he was a step ahead of everybody and it was fun to see and it was fun to watch. Now everybody's caught up in some ways. He's still an excellent football coach, but he built this UCLA team out of the portal, big mauling linemen, great tight ends, and then a couple, a couple really good transfer tailbacks. And DTR, you know, had a really nice, really nice season. And then they went eight and four. But the problem is Chip created the monster. He doesn't have the strategic advantage to go do it. That said, they I think they should hire Chip Kelly. Like if you're, you know, if you're Oregon right now, I think he's your best option on the board. It would bring back some good vibes from that uh, from that era. But complications uh, are are looming and will be sort of uh, picked apart here in the next uh, in the next few days. There's also Portland State Bruce Barnum, who earlier this year bought beer for everyone who went to the game. <laughs> That's right. Portland State game. I think that's the a podcast local favorite coach right there. $14,000 bar tab, supposedly he paid. <laughs> very, very interesting. I don't, I mean, can you go home again? Usually you can't. Uh, expectations in, in Eugene for Chip Kelly would be we're going to be back to number one in the country. You know, you know off the charts. Yeah. A schematic it's advantage. <sighs> it's, I mean, like always, Bill Walsh tried it at Stanford. 
Second time around, not good. Um, Brady Hoke's well, t- still texting all caps down there. Yeah. And Brady Hoke. Brady Hoke is doing it. He's I, doing very well. He yeah. does really text in all caps, by the way. That just wasn't from the Tennessee Foyers. Brady Hoke always texts in all caps for years. That's, that's I love the it. truest thing ever. <laughs> I could see Brady Hoke's cap lock being on and just not knowing how to turn it off. <laughs> not him. Yeah, exactly. It's been on for five years. Um, <laughs> man, it's, you know, look, it take, they, they got it. Yeah, it's great. You go up there, the facilities, everything's great, but it's still hard to recruit. You got to find, you got to go all over the country to recruit. Does he want to do that? Does he, does Chip Kelly want to recruit like that again? You know, he's in Texas. Without he was, Will Lyles, right? Without, without my man, Will Lyles. Uh, you got to be everywhere. You know, I'm looking at his recruiting class right now. He's got 12 kids. This is at UCLA. And all of them, 10 of them are from California, Southern, basically, they're all, well, there's a Stockton in there. Oh, they're all from California. One from Utah and one from uh, Washington. Uh, he's obviously going to do the the portal again. Like, would that would Oregon fans be okay with this? So they, you know, like it's that's not well, they're loaded right now too. Like, let's they, let's not. Oh yeah, forget. they had three straight like, they're, really they're, good classes under Cristobal. Really good classes. Mario Cristobal used that term stacked classes. Like that's a term reserved for like Kirby Smart, Nick Saban, and and Mario really liked. He he used walking off the field at the horseshoe. He said that to me. We've stacked great classes here. In a row, like Noah Sewell will be one of the faces of uh, oh, yeah. of, of college football next year. Just to to, to have one name of uh, you know Justin Flo was the best linebacker recruit in the country last year. He's he's up there now. Uh, their secondary, they had injuries. They kept replacing them with dudes. They they are uh, they're really uh, they're they're really in good shape for a veteran coach who knows what he's doing to help put the hammer lock down, call great plays, and. You know, maybe maybe keep that thing rolling in the you know in the top ten, top fifteen. Pretty interesting. And what does UCLA do? Like, do they, how how much do you pay for for Chip Kelly? Is he right. worth it? Does he bring in the fans? Does he sell tickets? Ah, it's it's juicy. This one's juicy. Be fun to uh, fun to see how it plays out. We will see. By the time you listen to this, there could be all sorts of denials. But what are you going to do? Let us get to the race for the case. Pete, you are the champion. All hail. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. There you go. That's about all I we wanted. Got, yeah. We got it out of the way. There we go. I mean, in defense of the lack of celebration, it was really pretty anticlimactic. So. <laughs> Absolutely kicked our ass. We all yeah. tried to catch up with close. you. Our mistake was we spent all our time fading Pete and trying to work. Once you get the lead, it's just you have all the advantage. It's like in Monopoly, right? You, just, <laughs> yeah. you get the lead. And, and 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 then so everyone screwed up. Pete Pete won big. Good man. He did not want a case of beer uh, from anybody. We uh, he wanted donations to Play Ball Boston. Goes charity. I can tell you this: if the unlikely event I ever win this thing, there'll be no charity. <laughs> <laughs> charity, charity to the Bush you. Brewing Company. <laughs> yeah, keeping some good guys in St. Louis in the bottling line uh, on the on the job. Pete, Altruistic. Uh, tell us about Play Ball Boston. Others can. And Play you're, Ball Boston you're doing a, a Santa run this weekend, right? Yes. Speedo. Doing a Santa run this weekend. Yes. So uh, Play Ball Boston is a charity. I'm on the board. I've been on the board of for about ten years. It funds junior high sports. It's a private funding of public school sports. It's some of the neediest public schools in Boston and around Massachusetts. Towns like Holyoke, uh, Lawrence. We uh, we raise money and 
give it to these schools so they can fund programs so kids can have junior high sports programs. So that's Play Ball Boston. That's what we do. It's kind of a mom and pop charity started by my buddy, Mike Carney, uh, old Georgetown lacrosse guy. And uh, I'm our de facto and I will add very poor PR guy. That's kind of my job on the board is to go get uh, publicity. And this weekend is the Santa Speedo run, the 21st one. It's been going to, the proceeds are going to play ball for about uh, for about a decade. We've raised over a million dollars from the run. And you basically run a mile outside in a Speedo or a Santa outfit of some kind. It's usually very cold. Dan, who made very kindly made a donation to my page, wished it to be cold. It's actually going to be a high of 63 on Saturday. Oh, which boo. is like, oh, yeah, no, which is like the, the complete anomaly of, uh, of, of all times. So that's less the people of suburban Boston will have to see, uh, you know, Chewbacca running around their neighborhood uh, in a Speedo. So that's probably good for them because I'll be able to run a little faster. There's been some years now where it's been cold. It was like eight degrees one year and it was like spitting ice. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, I did I did my best Kenyan marathon impression there uh, running down Boylston Street. So anyway, thank you for letting me chat about the, uh, chat about the charity. And uh, thank you for your kind donations, uh, Dan and Sully. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. <laughs> You're too busy stocking Vince Tyre at Louisville restaurants today. I know. <laughs> yeah, it's been been a busy day. What was that interaction like? Oh, <laughs> uh, it was hilarious. I mean, I, I yeah. park my car. I get out. He's walking on the sidewalk there, and so I. Um, <laughs> this is the Louisville athletic director. The yes. Louisville, the former Pat goes Louisville Christmas shopping director. and runs into the Louisville athletic director. He tweeted about it today. Sorry. Yeah. So I I said, you know. Hi, Vince. Well, imagine seeing you here. I'm just getting a little quick Christmas shopping done, and here you are. And he said, what are you buying me for Christmas? I said, well, I guess nothing in garnet and gold, uh, because <laughs> he had just basically pulled out of the Florida State Athletic Director search uh, after having been extended the offer and everybody on earth thinking he was going. And he changed the subject immediately said, well, I usually see you in like Stanford or Georgia gear. And I said, uh, well, can I ask you what's going on? He's like, well... You know, out of deference to Florida State, we'll let them announce where they're going, and I'll talk to you guys later. That was that was the extent of that interaction. Nothing goes, nothing ever is as smooth at, at Louisville. Always interesting. <laughs> no, no, it was not. We went, people went to bed Thursday night thinking that he was leaving for Florida State, and the president was staying. And we wake up, and the president's going to Penn State, and he's not going to Florida State. So, just another day at Louisville. All right, so uh, let's get to the one game. We'll pick it anyway. And then we're going to have the big bowl pick them where I usually do much better. I'm really good at assessing motivations of players. <laughs> That's really the only thing I'm good at. I can beat Pete in the bowl pick them. Uh, Army, Navy, one game this weekend, 3 p.m. Eastern on CBS. Game's up in uh, MetLife Stadium, uh, one of the uglier NFL stadiums, unfortunately. But uh, they've been playing this game since 1890. Army giving seven and a half. Over under is just 34 and a half. Yeah, <laughs> defensive struggle dropped from 37 to 34.5. Love people betting this much on Army Navy. People All still the, need to bet. Nobody's got any other games. Half right. the bets, 80% of the money is on Army. Half the bets and 60% of the money is on the over at BetMGM. Pat, who's going to win? Army Navy. Uh, Army. Army's going to win. Better team, better season. Hadn't been a great season for the Naval Academy. And uh, I, I just, I, I think that Army, you know, has found ways to, to get they, they, this rivalry used to just be so lopsided in favor of Navy. It has changed in recent years. Jeff Munkin, phenomenal job. For some reason, people still don't want to hire Jeff Munkin. I would hire him. I think Army has the better defense. 
Uh, I don't know about the over-under there, but I will take uh, the cadets and lay the points. Also, because my dad was in the infantry in World War II, invasion of Italy. He was a regular enlisted boy. He was not uh, West Point, but still, I know he always rooted for Army against Navy, so I'm with him there. All right. Thank you. Thank him for his service. Boy, Navy's really in a, in a tailspin, and, and you hate to see it because Kenny Niamatololo has had such a good run there, and they've had some just some great teams. And they did beat UCF this year. They, they've they've had some they've had some moments. They they won at Tulsa, but for the most part, it's been uh, it's been a bit of a slog. They they are coming off a win at Temple, but pretty much everybody beat Temple Temple this year. Hard to there is one thing I learned about Army Navy, which uh, which I thought was interesting. So this is probably going to be more interesting than any analysis I have of the game. Is that the military academy schools play each other and focus on each other so much and spend so much time preparing for what they do. They actually like run secondary offense offenses to play in those games. So they don't actually, uh, I was told this when someone was talking about Navy playing Cincinnati, somebody in Cincinnati said, basically like, we now know Navy so well that that staff's there in their fifth year. And they've really done a good job of shutting them down, especially the prior three years that they essentially bring out a new junk offense as like an answer to those who knew it well. And I thought, and again, my job is for like just total, you know, mindless minutia. Dan's already yawning on the screen here. But I thought that was just kind no of interesting football, football, no football nuance. I thought that was thought that was kind of interesting football nuance. That said, uh, just boy, boy, Navy's Navy sputtered and in, 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 in struggled here. And uh, it's, a, it's a pretty... It's really been a pretty good army run by by Munkin. I, I agree with Pat. I really think that someone is going to be well served hiring him, especially because the the have you do you remember the pool of hireable coaches, Pat, being as thin as it is right now? I mean, no. I mean, if you look at according to you know popular wisdom in the from among the athletic departments or athletic directors, it was like, oh, we can't find any coaches, and Jeff Munkin's sitting there winning year after year after year after year. I, I would be certainly tempted to give him a shot at this if you're a struggling Power Five uh, athletic department. Yeah, and he devolved from the option that just all these ads live in fear of making mistakes, and they don't see like how hard it is to go 17 and six in the last two years at Army, or to go 11 and two, which they obviously did in 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 2018, 10 and three. I mean, that's that is almost impossible to do, and just the. They to see the like the, the stigmatization of the offense, which would evolve if if he went to more conventional programs. So, yeah, I would think, and he was a little bit in the mix at Duke this year. I would think that he ends up being a, a prime focus come uh, come next year. I will go with Navy. I got to fade Pat. We got to break the tie. We're both tied for second here. But there oh, oh, we go. But Army ninety third toughest schedule in the country. Navy on the flip side, third toughest schedule in the country. You know, and I, I like that hook. Seven and a half. I think it's going to be a close, sloggy game, low-scoring game. Keep it within seven. Let's go midshipmen. That's a good schedule stat. I'll give you credit. Now, so let's figure this out. If Pete won and you and I are tied for second, who was last? Oh, I think I, I think we know who was last. Let's see. <laughs> that would be Dan. Oopsie. Yeah. Podcast needs to end. Podcast <laughs> needs to end. Uh, all right. Look, uh, Army is on a uh, four-game win streak. Even their losses, like they were in a shootout with Wake and they, they only lost 2014 to Wisconsin. Just beat Liberty, playing very, very good football. I am going to channel, supposedly this quote, General George C. Marshall during World War II said, I want an officer for a secret and dangerous mission. 
I want a West Point football player. Let's there you go. Too. The Marshall Good plaque enough. hangs up at the stadium. I think they all touch it on the way out. So I'm taking Army. I will take Army. All right. We are going to do a whole bowl thing uh, next week, early next week. We got signing day coming up. We'll get more football involved in all of this. So please continue to subscribe and stick with us. Uh, the bowl preview one is always a good, always a good time pod. Uh, we will uh, talk to you all later.